This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on this soggy Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by the president of the House of Knives. A real pleasure to welcome Andre Eng to the program. Andre, welcome and thanks for stopping oh, by. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. Just a little busy downtown today, wouldn't you say? Yeah, a little bit wet. Typical of Vancouver, right? Indeed it is. So knives have been presents. People have been giving each other knives for literally thousands of years. I would even say millions of years. Are they still <laughs> a popular gift at this time of the year? Yeah, it's funny. You know, uh, Forbes magazine did this great article a few years ago that talked about what are the most influential tools in the history of mankind. And what topped the list wasn't a tablet or smartphone. It was a knife. Really? Yeah, because as they say, for over two million years, a knife has evolved with us. It's helped protect us, shelter us, and feed us. So knives are essential, right? Everyone still needs to eat regardless of what type of diet you have. And so talk to us about the House of Knives, because I know it's a Canadian company. Give us a little background on the company. Oh, Andre. it's been a long time going. This will be my 33rd year in the company. So back in it, when it started back in the 80s, uh, there was about 50 across the country. And make a very long story short, my brother at the time purchased a, a single uh, franchise location in Victoria at Hillside Mall. And at the time, I was going to high school, and uh, I basically just helped out on weekends and evenings. And was it, Were you in high school in Victoria then? Yeah, yeah okay. I was doing chef's training. And then after that, I went up to Mouse Pina, which is now VIU, mm-hmm. did my chef's training there and discovered it wasn't the right career path for me. I came back to the island and my brother just said, well, give me a hand until you figure out what you want to do. And I never figured out what I wanted to do. And we basically, over the, the period of time, we, we did so well. My brother had no retail experience at all, but just through good customer service, product knowledge, it became the number one store in the country. So landlord, Bentall, came to us and said, well, you're having good success. Do you want to open in Langley? And my brother came to me and said, do you want to open a second store in Langley? And I remember saying to him at the time, where the hell is Langley? I don't right, know where that is. Right. <laughs> yeah, and we... we Island kids, you store. know, they're a little disoriented over here yeah. in the big city. <laughs> So it just so happened at the same time, there was an existing owner that had eight House of Knives on the oh. mainland. And he came to us and said, well, are you interested in buying my locations? But it's got to happen quickly. And we basically consummated the deal. And we basically went from one to ten stores in a three-month So you did period. the Langley deal anyway and then added eight and more. And added eight more. Yeah, just, just, uh, just for fun. And are, do you still have those 10 locations? Yeah, so current day now, we're 15 locations. And over the years, uh, eventually in 2008, my brother and I split. We'd worked together for almost 20 years. And life changed when we started. We were both young, single, no responsibilities. And mm-hmm. by 2008, we're married with families. So my wife and I run the uh, company now. And 2011, corporate closed at our last location in Alberta. And we acquired the rights to the name. So we have uh, the sole rights to name. So current day, we have three in Alberta. And 12 in BC. So, oh, okay. So you now own the, uh, the absolute rights to House of Knives yes. in, in both Alberta and British Columbia. Yeah. Wherever else we want to go. Newfoundland, Ontario, wherever else we want to go. So are there franchises now in other Canadian provinces or are you just on the cusp of expanding east? 
No, right now it's just our own stores. And, you know, truth be known, in the world, we're actually the largest independently owned cutlery and gift store chain. Uh, there used to be a chain in Australia called King of Knives that had 60 plus locations. Mm-hmm. It's a very hands on uh, business, you know, obviously uh, corporate closed House of Knives because it's uh, a, a challenging marketplace. It's a challenging model to try to work with. We've been able to make it work because we're so hands on. I'm still heavily involved, everything from product development to purchasing. Um, yeah, all aspects of the business. Interesting stuff. So at Christmas time, when we consider a knife for a present, and there is someone in our life or on our list that actually would go, hey, what a cool present. It, yeah. it works. There's somebody on your list that's going to go, wow. So what type of knife typically is the best sort of gift present? Uh, without question, uh, you know, when you think about all the different styles of knives, uh, the chef's knife or the cook's knife, as it's referred to, eight inches in size is, is the typical. When people want that one knife that can basically be the, the do-it-all knife, uh, that would be the style we choose from. And it's funny because, you know, you, you talk about, uh, people are always nervous about giving something that's practical. It's not quite a vacuum cleaner, but right, some right, people right. put in the same category. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, Think about, uh, you know, the hundreds and thousands of dollars you spent on gadgets and gizmos in your kitchens from blenders to mixers to bread makers. And after novelty wears out, you never use them again. But a good set of knives, I tell people all the time, you know, I guarantee you, you're going to use it 365 days of the year, seven days a week, two or three times. You never regret having quality tools in your household. And so many ladies will even come to me and say, you know how much my husband has spent on power tools in the garage? Oh, sure. Yet, you know, my tools that I use to help provide for the family, you know, we, we skimp on, right? And there's a safety element too, you know, as the saying goes, a sharp knife is a safe knife. Ah, okay. So now the the chef's knife, the most popular model that's distributed around at this time, is that the one with the wider blade? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, it starts off wide and goes to a narrow point. And the reason why that's so versatile is because that width of the blade allows you to work directly on the cutting board. So you can rock, you can mince, you can dice with it. Uh, It has so much uh, versatility to it. And how popular is the uh, the old-fashioned Swiss Army knife at this time of year? And do you sell them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're one of the largest dealers in Canada. Uh, Swiss Army is a, a great story. I've been to their factory numerous times in Switzerland. So a lot of people never realize there's actually used to be two companies that made the official Swiss Army knives. There was Victorinox, the original, and Wanger, which was called the Genuine. But Wanger went bankrupt about uh, seven, eight years ago. So now only Victorinox owns the Swiss Army knives. And, of course, other than knives, they make luggage clothing, fragrances as well. They've kind of licensed their name. And still very popular. They're, they're not as maybe innovative as some people would like to see, but you know they're, they're still very practical and, and bang for buck, they're still one of the best buys because they also make great kitchen knives too. Oh, okay, because I was thinking for the outdoorsy type, it really still is the ultimate uh, tool to take with you under almost any circumstances, regardless of where you're going. Yeah, you know, their biggest competition they faced is uh, from Leatherman Tools. So Tim Leatherman, the founder of Leatherman Tools, uh, is just down at their factory in Oregon last month. And uh, we've been part, we're actually, I think, their third longest customer in Canada. Um, They've taken a bite out of the market share because Leatherman Tools are a little bit more robust because of the pliers portion of it. Now, Swiss Army has answered with a couple of their own multi-tools, but they don't have near the breadth and width of product that Leatherman does.
So this is all even more gizmos crammed into one knife-like object. Yeah, yeah. You don't have a Leatherman tool? No, I do no, not. Yeah. No, I'm unfamiliar with the product. I'll pull them up uh, during the break and have oh. a look at what they've got. My son, who is a chef, uh, I had a conversation with him today, Andre, before yeah. I came in, because I thought, now here's a guy who works with knives for a living. So uh, give me a couple of good questions to ask of my guest from House of Knives. He says, well, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my opinion is that the best knives in the world World come from either Germany or Japan. Would you agree? Uh, I would to a large degree. So uh, Solingen in Germany, we, we go to the factories there almost yearly. We're, we're real, I guess you'd say, uh, knife uh, fanatics. And we like to know all the all the behind the scenes in terms of what goes into making the knife. Uh, and Seki Japan, I'll be there in the spring as well. And uh, those are the two biggest hubs. But the third biggest hub now is Yangjiang in China. Oh, Yangjiang, okay. China, uh, a lot of people have never heard of it, but not only for kitchen knives, but sporty knives. But the thing you have to take it with a grain of salt is there's very bad quality that comes out of Yangjiang, China, and there's excellent quality coming out of that area. So just like I would say the same in Germany, there's some better factories. Like Wusthof is our biggest supplier of quality kitchen knives. Uh, Zwilling Henkos um, isn't quite the knife it used to be. They're still good, but not of the same level of Wusthof. And the incredible thing with the cutlery industry overall, sporting or kitchen, most of them are like us. I really appreciate the fact that they're family-owned and operated. Wusthof is seven generations old since 1814. You know, they celebrated 200 years of being in business. You know, most family businesses don't make it to second generation. Sure. They're on their seventh generation. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, remarkable to see. And, uh, you know, Shun uh, from the Fa- uh, Kai Cutlery Corporation is also family-owned and operated. And they make a phenomenal product as well. So now that we're talking about knives and we've identified some of the better sources of origin, uh, Germany and Japan, others, and some of the company names that are becoming well-known. We see a lot of ads, of course, on late-night mm. TV, particularly at this time of year. Yep. But uh, they seem to be, Andre fairly expensive. So is it sort of axiomatic that the more you spend, the better quality you're likely to get? Or, as you just mentioned a few minutes ago, can you get taken for a ride uh, by some products that claim to be fantastic that are junk? Yeah, I I think it's like any other any industry, not just cutlery industry, but there's obviously very good and very bad, and you have to know what you're buying, and it ultimately comes down to uh, the consumer being knowledgeable and aware. So the how do we brands, educate ourselves? This is Vancouver Consumer. Yeah, Here's it, your golden it, opportunity it, it's to tough, right? smarten us up about well, buying knives. I, I always joke to people, I said, buying cutlery is like buying tires. Have you ever gone and buy tires that aren't black, that aren't made from rubber? Right? Mm-hmm. They all look the same, right? Right, right? But just like in a good knife, it all comes down to the quality of the components within the rubber that affects how good it breaks in the snow versus the rain versus dry conditions and how it corners. Knives are no different. There's Even with my 33 years being in business, I can't look at a product and judge it. I have to understand what's, what specs they put into it and hold and feel it. Um, that's why for us it's critical that uh, we offer what we call a try-before-you-buy program so people can come into our stores and, and test out the knives before they purchase them because just like I tell people, you want to go buy a car, would you, before sitting in it and driving in it? Yet, you know, with the... I'm told people do this online now, Andre. I can't <laughs> imagine do. it, they but do. people do. They pick out the color in the interior and they don't even sit in it yeah, I, I can't believe it. I, I know they do because, you know, God forbid, I wouldn't have thought, who, who would have thought, you know, five years ago, people would buy bed without sitting on it? 
I know. But it happens, yeah. right? We're so time-starved. But knives, on the other hand, there's a product you really want to have, a, but people buy those online too, don't they? Yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing that's uh, sacred anymore, I guess. And that's why for us as a company, we really shift our focus now. You know, for, for 20, 30 plus years, we, we, I would say we touted ourselves as knowing the most about cutlery. But now we're shifting our focus to not just knowing about the product, how it's made, where it's made, what it's made out of. But now we're shifting to teaching people how to use it because it's just like I tell people, what's the use of having a car? It's like having a stick shift if you don't know how to drive it. Mm-hmm. And so often when we do it's knife It's the skills, ultimate anti-theft device these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just <laughs> drive a, tra- a standard transmission. <laughs> Nobody can steal your yeah. car. So when we do knife uh, skills sessions, we do them now in high schools as well. We're teaching youth as well as we're involved with a couple of uh, non-profit organizations. There's growing chefs here in the Vancouver area and Project Chef. And I just spent a couple of sessions with them in the last week uh, and they teach you know kids from five years old to twelve years old and empower them with the knowledge, everything from learning how to cut with a real knife, not a plastic blade, a real knife, learning where food comes from, learning how to prep it and cook it, and and that's our focus moving forward because. It's quite often if I had a knife here, I would hand it to you and say, first of all, do you know how to hold the knife properly? I'd say 90% of most people aren't even holding the knife properly. So it's it's having the right knife, but also if you don't know how to use it, then you're not very efficient. And again, we talk about being time-starved. If you know how to use it properly, you're going to eat healthier as a result of it and live a healthier lifestyle as a result of it. Interesting stuff. We want to get 30 seconds and we'll break for the news. Sure. Uh, if you have a budding young chef in your life that you're considering giving a kind of a cooking-y type present to, this Christmas and a starter knife would be a great asset. Yep. What typically for that young person would you expect to pay for the knife? You can go anywhere from about uh, it's about fifty dollars and you know up to one hundred and fifty dollars. You know, depending on how much you want to invest in. Right, but it, it, you're going to start at for a, a decent quality at about fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Victorian Knox, which is made by Swiss Army Company, is probably one of the best bang for bucks out there at about $50. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by Andre Eng, the president of the House of Knives. And I have to tell you, I took a couple of very uh, very short crash courses in knifeology. I was asked to, uh, to to cut up a potato, and I flunked the test. <laughs> <laughs> There's always room for improvement. Well, so. yeah, I have a chef in my, in my family, too. He'd be most embarrassed to hear because he thought, I'm sure by now he's convinced himself he's taught me a few right things but it's it's interesting because you brought up something uh, about a good knife that i completely forgotten about since my days literally as a teenager as a boy scout when of course when you're a kid and you're a scout you yep. get to carry a knife it's cool and it's okay uh, and i had a nice one and i remember at the time you we were supposed to be able to hold one finger out at the hilt where the handle meets the blade and it should lie horizontally across your finger without slipping or falling one way or the other. That's a perfectly well-balanced knife. Mm-hmm. Is that still matter? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially in kitchen knives, as we talked about with the chef's knife, uh, the balance is critical. And a lot of people don't really understand the full benefits of it because, as we demonstrated, most people don't even hold the knife properly. I didn't, friends. I flunked that. <laughs> I flunked the knife-holding test badly too, with witnesses and everything in the room. Yeah. So a lot of people hold it like they would a hammer or what we call a hammer or a pistol grip. That's so what again, I we, we tried to really instill and uh, teach people those proper points when they come into the store and teach them the benefits of why you want to hold it balanced. Especially in a professional environment, you know, when guys are using knives all day long, it does make a difference. 
Well, my son says that a good chef will have a set of knives, typically, that can run into the thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's not unheard. I mean, you know, what's becoming quite a a hip thing now are handmade Japanese knives, and these can range in hundreds of, easily five, six hundred dollars each, depending on how much you want to spend. And and we're starting to carry those as well. And they've got a great place in the marketplace because there's such a great story to them. You're talking about an industry where you've got second, third generation blacksmiths or hand forging these knives. So there's a great story and artistry behind it as well. Mm-hmm. Because as we said, you know, knives, I always tell people, you know, the kitchen is about fashion and people care about what their faucets look like or stand mixers and no one ever thinks of, you know, why can't the knives be beautiful as well and functional? Right. And uh, you've also developed uh, over the course of being in the knife business and it's several decades now, you've also developed your own uh, brands. Yes, yes. We've been, become somewhat vertically integrated. Uh, we're really proud of uh, the Cory line that we have in our stores now uh, is only available in our stores now, but I expect in the future uh, it will be available in other stores as well. Cory spelled K-O-R-I. That's correct. Okay. And, um, you know, we, uh, if you'd asked me five, ten years ago if we would develop something of our own, I would have thought you're kind of crazy. But, you know, we were inspired by it because... The hardest thing when you're working with partners, whether it be Europe or in Asia, is finding the right partners that can make the right quality. Sure. And, you know, we've been sourcing for 20 plus years and we finally found the right to a source. And they basically came to us and said, you know, why don't you consider making something of your own? You know, you've been doing this forever. You know everything there is to know about cutlery. And we thought, you know, why not? When, and we basically took pen to paper over a couple hours. We had probably 30, 40 different chef's knives on the table from every manufacturer in the world. Right. And we basically said, using our, between my wife and I, we have 50 years of experience in the business. And we said, okay, what would the ultimate knife look like? Right. And and we drew it. And two years later, it was like giving birth. We, we it came out. <laughs> so now, where where is it made? You said it, if you're so, sourcing partners and trying to find that right combination of quality right. and and uh, uh, affordability. That's right. Where, where are the knives? Where do they so end up being made? So it's made just out of Yangzheng, China area in in China. Okay. But uh, you know the great thing is they're using materials. It's Japanese steel. It's one thing that's happened now in global marketplace. A lot of Japanese steel manufacturers will no longer supply to Chinese factories mm-hmm. because they want to keep their competitive advantage. Our factory is unique because they actually work with some Japanese manufacturers as well so they can still source the Japanese quality steel that we use in that knife so still has the same lifetime warranty as all the big brands just tremendous value we've had it out now just almost coming up a year now and giving out to tons of our chef friends and nothing but uh, rave reviews about it well that's encouraging isn't it yeah, your it's first venture good. into your own brand yeah, yeah that's great stuff I did uh, invite our listeners uh, who may be considering a knife uh, as part of a Christmas gift for somebody on mm-hmm. their list. Uh, let me just uh, repeat that uh, invitation. If you'd like sure. to join us, uh, you have a question for Andre and uh, about knives or cutlery or those sorts of presents that you may be thinking about someone on your list. Uh, the lines are open right now at 280-604-280-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. Your questions to Andre Eng about House of Knives or any of those products for Christmas. And is there is there a peak in your year? Is this it? Are we at the peak uh, retail season for, for knives and uh, other yeah, commodities like that? Absolutely. We're no different than every other retail industry. This is the, the harvest time for us from Black Friday onwards. And, you know, this next 10 days will be, uh, we'll be pretty busy and hopping. Typically, 23rd is still the busiest shopping day of the year, we find. 
right? Not quite the last the minute last for minute, 24th. The almost last minute crowd. <laughs> and maybe 80% male shopping. I don't know. <laughs> I want to ask you something uh, because uh, we're talking about kitchen knives, about very sharp, very, um, very specific implements. Mm-hmm. One of the many knives that one uses in the kitchen is a serrated edge knife for bread and other yeah. products like that. How do you sharpen a serrated edge? Because you don't go about it in, in the way that you would that other knife you were just talking about. No, that's about. a great question. We get asked that all the time. And, you know, there's a perception out there that people think that serrated knives cut better than plain edge knives. And I always tell people, I said, would you shave with a serrated edge, your <laughs> face? No, you use a plain edge because it, it cuts better. The reason why people like serrated edge blades is because they stay sharper longer. They're more forgiving than a plain edge knife. But there's about, off the top of my head, at least five different types of serrated edges you can put on a knife. So some can be resharpened, some cannot be. And a big trend that's happening now, even in steak knives, struggling, when you eat a steak, what type of knife do you typically use? Oh, the small uh, serrated wooden edge, handle typically? serrated edge uh, yeah. steak knife. I would yeah. say that's not on like 90% of people. Yeah, I think but, so. But plain edge steak knives, if you really, really love a great steak as I do, I'm amazed that you can go to Las Vegas or here in Vancouver and spend $100 on a steak and they bring you this almost like bacteria ridden wooden rotting handle steak knife that barely cuts the meat. And uh, so a big trend that's happening, especially in fine dining restaurants, like Notch 8 that we work with at the Fairmont, a fine-edge steak knife. If you've never experienced a good steak with a fine-edge steak knife, you haven't lived. It's like a bucket list thing because when you cut with a serrated edge, it tears the fibers in the meat. So you lose more juices, it becomes uh, less uh, tender, less juicy, and less flavorful. It's a bit like uh, going to a restaurant. None of which had ever crossed my mind, to be perfectly honest with you. I I use my pocket knife sometimes because the knives are so bad to cut my steak. And I always tell the, the restaurantees, and I've actually had managers come over and say, I understand you're, you're not happy with your meal. I said, you've cooked the meat great, but this knife, and I, I put it to my wrist, I said, I couldn't commit Harry Carey if I wanted to. Right. And, you know, the whole, the whole story behind it is, it's part of the experience, right? I said, would you serve a fine wine in a styrofoam cup, or what's next? Give me plastic cutlery, right? Like, give me the experience, right? Ah, but that would, would represent an investment of some degree yeah. by the restaurateur. Yeah, and their great thing with a fine-edge steak knife, or a knife for that matter, is it's eco-friendly, right? Most serrated knives, if they can't be resharpened, what happens to them, Sterling? I would imagine they get chucked they out. They get chucked out. They right. end up in a landfill. So they, you, you, is it safe to say you can't sharpen Some a can, edge? some can't. So it's hard to describe on air, but the, the better serrated edges you want have what we call a scalloped edge. It's more of a wavy edge. Stay away from the sawtooth edges like what you used to see on a Ginsu knife okay. or a Miracle Blade. So the bottom line is the more teeth you see on a blade, the more it's going to tend to tear your meat. Like in the old commercials where they saw a hammer and cut a tomato, that works fine for that, but they never show a Ginsu knife cutting raw meat because it would just tear it apart. Mm, interesting stuff. Let's go to the phones here as a few people have decided to join in, including Ted. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Go ahead to our guest, Ted, please. I, uh, I have seen people spend a lot of money on knives, but they ruin it by sharpening it wrongly. Ah, okay. Yes. So uh, sharpening a knife is, uh, is really a, a science in itself. It's uh, just as scientific, I think, as, uh, as making a knife. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's rocket science, so to speak, but you're absolutely right, Ted. Uh, whenever we do our knife skills classes, I always ask people in the crowd, how many people own a steel, that long rod that you have in your kitchen counter somewhere? And 90% of people put their hand. Then I say, how many people know how to use this properly? And 
almost every hand drops. And the biggest, biggest thing is people get the incorrect angle. When you're stealing a knife or sharpening on a stone, the angle is critical. Most factories sharpen knives anywhere between about 12 degrees and about 20 degree angle. Um, on the blade and people if you steal your knife at say a 45 degree angle which i've seen people do you take that edge right off you uh-huh. do more harm than good okay and if you don't have a stone it's interesting because uh, uh again we were fortunate we have a chef in the family mm-hmm. who brought actually brought home a stone from work mm-hmm. because we have one of those steels in the knife yep. drawer but he says it's not doing any good your knives aren't sharp enough to begin with the steel isn't really doing much yeah so ted's point is, is well taken there's absolutely really there's patience required and there's an appropriate method to sharpening a knife. It's not just something you dash off. No, it's funny because people just see a guy on TV doing it and they, they can't really tell what they're doing. And the biggest misconception is so there's a difference between honing your blade with a steel and resharpening it with a stone. Right. So as I explained to people, when people will come in and spend thousands of dollars on a great set of new knives and I say, let me show you how to steal and maintain them with your steel. And they say, I'm not going to bother. I said, what do you mean? You wouldn't go buy a BMW and not put air in the tires or change the oil, would you? So you need to maintain your knives right from the get-go with the honing rod. And so the, the the moral of this story, using the interesting brand analogy that you did, if you're going to invest in a knife of quality, then it's going to require some maintenance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's nothing that's maintenance-free, right? It's it's just like clothing or anything else. So hone, when you hone a, uh, your knives, basically you're maintaining the edge and it prolongs the longevity of your knives because it ensures the safety of the knives and uh, your satisfaction with them because they're going to stay short. But eventually, regardless of the quality, the knife will dull. And when that time comes, then you need something more abrasive to bring that edge back, like a sharpening stone, or you bring it into us. A lot of people use our sharp sharpening service that, you know, depending on time of year, we can sometimes turn around in a couple of hours. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know that you do have that professional service that you could offer. Perhaps yeah. not on the busiest shopping day of the no. year, but most other days. Yeah. And oh. for those serrated knives, we have specialty services. If uh, we can't do it in the store, we send them back to our service center in Burnaby. Interesting stuff. Doug, up next. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for my call. You're welcome. Actually, I was thinking about uh, doing a, a, getting a gift for my mom, my, who's about 90, and uh, a five-inch like paring knife. But my question is, is that if she's not used to a really sharp knife, could it be dangerous? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. You know, we all say sharp knife is a safe knife, but sometimes people are so accustomed to using dull tools for such a long duration period. There is, like anything else, a, a, a comfort period that you have to try to work around. And what I would, you know, say to that is, you know, try try getting her a, a knife. And, you know, some people are over the moon that they finally have a sharp tool to work with, but some people, it, it is a comfort level thing. And to that note, I would say we, uh, what's very popular this year is a five and a half inch prep knife that is like a larger paring knife but has a little wider blade so they can work more comfortably with it on the cutting board so that's what you'd recommend to doug perhaps in this case uh, rather than the than what he had originally intended something just a little larger doug yeah a little bit wider blade makes it a little bit easier okay to uh, robert next thanks for waiting good afternoon uh, hi there uh, i'm a pretty happy customer from the uh, house of nice over the years we couldn't really afford the, the best knives, but since our kids have grown up and we're on our own, uh, I treated us to a set of the Westhoff steak knives from Stollingen, Germany. Yes, and excellent. And they've worked out beautifully. Yeah. Did you and find, uh, were these your first non-serrated, they're non-serrated ones, I believe? Oh, they're non-serrated. Yeah. yeah. Like a hot knife through butter, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. And 
I bought, again at the House of Knives, I'm, I'm no expert on steels and stuff, so I bought one of the Edge Logics uh, sharpening stones, ah. mm-hmm. which has a ceramics set in for different blade angles, mm-hmm. and, and also a, a serrated section where you can run your uh, bread knife. Yes, that's the only, so that's classified as a very popular category, sterling is a, what we call pull-through sharpener, because not everyone has dexterity to be able to use a stone device to sharpen. Right, right. right. So the pull-through devices are very easy, where you just have to hold the knife straight and just draw it through the, the sharpener. It doesn't do as good of a job, say, as a stone, but it's easy and effective. And the one he's talking about has a unique stage where it can do a scallop serrated edge as well. Interesting call. Thanks, Robert. I wanted to just pick up on what Robert was because I've got your houseofknives.ca website up in front of me. And as soon as he talked about a, a Wusthof, I, I, could, I could see a couple of examples right here on, on the homepage. Mm-hmm. Is it, again, now, uh, as, a, as a present, depending on the recipient, of course, is a single knife a better idea than a set of maybe two or three for roughly the same price? Because you, you approach it like, okay, I've got $200, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take care of you know uh, my friend the cooking nut, the foodie. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to do. Is which how what's the best bang for that 200 bucks? Our, our philosophy always is quality over quantity. Okay. You know, it's very tempting. Obviously, we always always have customers come and say, "Oh, I saw a set of knives at uh, Walmart or Costco, where you get ten knives and it's like fifty dollars." Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's tempting because you say, "Well, what a great value!" But you know, when you think about it from an eco-friendly standpoint, from a performance standpoint, uh, I think it's like anything else. When you have one quality item, it's like clothing, right? I'd rather have one good shirt than 10 okay shirts that you don't really want to wear um, especially when it comes to the chef's knife that's the one to go all in on I always tell people for the other knives like a carving knife or a bread knife that you may not use as much it's not as important to go all out but that general preparation knife that you're going to use for majority of everything your boneless meats fruits and vegetables Go go as big as you can, and so the the ideal starter present for again the foodie in your life, regardless of age, mm-hmm. uh, is is probably a chef's knife. Yeah, chef's knife, Santoku knife is very popular too. That's an Asian style chef's knife, and they usually come in at about seven inches in length versus eight inches. But yeah, any of those general preparation knives. Lots more information at this excellent website, HouseOfKnives.ca. Andre Ang is the president, and we appreciate your uh, this busy retail season. You taking yeah. time out of the trip to come on up here and be with us on the radio on a busy Saturday afternoon. That's very, very kind of you. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.